you are talking to and with holistic travel nurse naomi here we go i am finally going to share some things that are just hidden out there i've talked about it before people don't know what ozone is um, i have a couple different clips i'm going to be taking from to talk about it um, and ozone's been around for a long time a long time and it's been hidden and so the benefits of it so let's start with this and then then there will we'll get into some other cool um, amazing essential oils and neutrophenics and um, other things that are he healing to the body um, in this episode. So stay tuned. This one is um, a little bit, this guy's talking the rest about a nasal um, ozone, and then we're going to get into more of um, what is medical ozone and how it works. So it's, it's a little bit irritating. So you will, um, patients who do do this will feel it a little bit deep up into their sinuses or in the back of their throat, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little bit disconcerting at the, in the moment, but um, I always um, you know, tell them that's, that's what's to be expected. Don't worry about um, and yeah, like you said, you will get, not necessarily within, you know, immediately, but within minutes or half an hour, you'll get this drainage, this die-off of post-nasal drip, sneezing, um, you know, runny nose, and then um, you'll notice that mold, fungus, protozoa, bacteria, yeah. virus, it's just coming out. Right. And your head, well, your head will feel clearer. Um, your sinuses will be clearer. Wow. Uh, we've been um, able to clear up Marcon's positive um, infections, staph mm. infections, mm. mold, um, just with this. Um, this place is an overstaffed. They get rid of the staff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's cheap, right? You're not going on antibiotics or antivirals or antifungals. You can't patent oxygen or ozone. So um, that's probably why it's not so it hasn't taken off as big as yeah, it has. Yeah, you think? Yeah. Yeah. That's the way it is. So. All right. There you have it. So ozone. Let's hear about it. This is the man. Yeah. What's ozone? Talk to me. Yeah. So it's just the ozone <laughs> layer? Are we just like... You know, I mean, it's similar concept, but different, obviously, um, mm -hmm. when applying it medically. Um, so, no, it's, like, really changed my whole practice and career. Um, mm. I first found out about it about 10 or 12 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. Like I mentioned before, I do a lot of chronic pain um, and regenerative medicine injections, and uh, including prolotherapy, PRP, and so forth, uh, like I did on you. And uh, we were in my old office, we were getting a lot of calls for prolozone, which is prolotherapy with ozone added on to it. And it's basically just... Go ahead, sorry. It's okay. Uh, super concentrated oxygen. Mm -hmm. Oxygen's O2, ozone is O3. Um, and so you, we make that with medical-grade oxygen and a generator that hits it with electrical spark, turns from O2 into O3, which is more metabolically reactive because mm -hmm. it's... Um, three single bonds amongst the three ozone or the three oxygen molecules rather than a single double bond as you find in an O2 Radio. molecule, right? right. right. which is stable, right? right. It's kind of like um, saturated fats are more stable because they have that, that double bond. So it can kill things, it can sanitize things, it can radically decrease inflammation. So you have that three bond and then when it goes into the body, one oxygen comes off and it has what, like an extra, extra electron and it oxidizes things. And that other O2 now is oxygenating. Is that what's going on? Yeah, so you can kind of think of it's like two molecules of ozone yield three molecules of oxygen. Mm. You know, by the way, mm -hmm. it's hard to get into it right. without a diagram and looking That's at okay. like the bonds and so forth. <laughs> but it's kind of a concentrating effect. Mm -hmm. And with that, you, I mean, oxygen is healing, right? Mm -hmm. And it's one of the most important elements, of course, uh, to mankind, right? It's and the so, ultimate nutrient. Exactly, right. And so um, for uh, in all intents and purposes for this conversation, you know, the fact of it being antimicrobial, antifungal, immune modulating, it's um, incredible for helping address acute or chronic infections. Right, so so for instance, so, so what happened is I come in, I, I have just a, a sip of red wine and this thing flares up. I'm exposed to mold in some way and boom, my nose flares up. I've got, you, you do just a tiny monicum of, of, of sugar and you feel it. You know, when you have a fungal infection in your nose, you know, you, I remember going on vacation to Croatia, I go down in a wine cellar, it's like, oh, I just get hit. 
and you know you got these circles under your eyes and it's gnarly and it's deep and it's embedded and nothing's working so now i put this sanitize would you call it sanitizing uh in a sense it is it's yeah. antimicrobial right? right the same reason why we use hydrogen peroxide on a mm -hmm. wound to clean a wound right mm -hmm. so we don't want to get infected with staph or strep or something it's the oxygen in the hydrogen peroxide that is the active component there that oh interesting um different bugs don't like you know they don't like an aerobic alkaline environment they like acidic same with anaerobic mold, exactly oh interesting and so you're basically creating with that super um saturation effect of the oxygen you're creating an inhospitable environment for these microbes to thrive and, and replicate i love it I love it. So, so if you, so for instance, when I, I would do, gosh, I would do, uh, what was I doing? Grapefruit seed extract. I was doing all the oregano. I was burning the inside of my nose. Just, it was, it was crazy. And those are all good in the right applications, but they may not necessarily. Didn't work. Trick. Didn't work. I was doing the neti pot. I was doing it all. And, um, and then this goes in. Why did all of those fail and ozone succeed in my nose? Right, so that's a great question. And one um, powerful thing about it in, in this application is it's a gas, right? We're actually admitting a gas into you. That mm -hmm. sounds like maybe a little bit scary, mm -hmm. um, but we can use it in the sinuses, in the nose, we can use it in the ears, and um, we do rectal and vaginal insufflations for local issues in those areas as well. It has systemic effects too. Mm -hmm. um, and with the IVs, with the major autohemotherapy, we're mixing it with the blood. Okay. Um, and so in the sinuses in particular, and in the, um, if you have a eustachian tube dysfunction or inner ear infection, mm -hmm. hepatitis media, mm -hmm. whatever, um, because it's a gas, it can permeate into the sinuses more deeply. It can actually go through my bones. Well, it's, you have to think, remember, the, the sinuses are a, a network of cavities, right? Things are this continuous little caves, right? Right. And so with, with the insufflation, the ozone gas is going in there and just infiltrating way up deep into the sinuses, way more so than colloidal silver could possibly mm -hmm. do or a One I used could also. Do, right. Right. And so if you think about it, there's no Im impediments, like the, the fluid from silver or a neti pot mm -hmm. could get hung up in your mucosa. It's right? a molecule. We're talking right. about something very, very small, right? right? So and bone is porous. Yeah. yeah. So this was, you guys have to understand, this was a, a miracle for me. I mean, this is a huge, huge, and I was doing so much. I got to the point when it was systemic, you, you get systemic mold and you have just radical crashes. If you're off your diet, if you have just a piece of stone fruit with just a little too much sugar in it, Boom, you're just, you, it affects your relationships. It affects your, your, your energy levels. I mean, energy is, yeah, energy is the, the it's, it's the currency of life. So when you don't have that currency, you're out of it. You can't, you don't have it to give. You don't have it to wake up and to move and to animate and motivate and do your thing. And so this experience here for me was life-changing, right? And this is why a lot of people, you know, you're, we're having Zoom calls, we're having, you know, all kinds of communication, and I'm telling you, find somebody who does ozone, right? If I could do it myself, I would be. So usually when people fly in here and, and they have sinus issues, etc., I'll be, okay, you got to go see Josh, right? You got to go see Josh and then come see me. And, um, and so he also did some injections up into my upper lip and that went up into the sinuses also. Yeah, so we do those. I mean, there's multiple sinuses, right? You have um, maxillary sinuses around the... Okay, you can go explore this guy too. This is Adam Fields, DC, and he does a whole thing. But I thought it's this need to talk about it because it's really good information that isn't being ignored and it has been ignored by mainstream media when it comes to... because there's no money in it. Now, you can overdo um, oxygen. Um, we know that ozone and extra oxygen is helpful for wound care. We've been doing hyperbaric chambers for a long time. But ozone, I'm just fascinated more about it. I would love to go through and learn more. Um, there's this, this kind of about stem cells and stuff. I want you to listen to a little bit of this one. He's uh, our pioneer in regenerative medicine and uh, is based right now in Boca Raton, Florida. Is the chartered president and founder of the American Academy and Board of Regenerative Medicine. 
So for those of you who are interested to be certified in regenerative medicine, it's very nice that uh, we can get in touch with Dr. Joe as uh, he's uh, one of the uh, members of the board for that. And uh, he surely will help you uh, do some things that will uh, make you a professional for regenerative medicine. And uh, it's my privilege to introduce him to you as he, he is the one who have been teaching us, teaching me also since uh, for the last maybe eight years, eight to nine years, Dr. Joe. And we are so happy that uh, we can welcome him again today. But before we begin, let's just pause for a moment and just uh, have a short prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for good health and strength. We thank you for Dr. Joe who's going to share with us his expertise on the topic of ozone and other essentials in regenerative medicine. Can it be with him? And uh, can they give him wisdom and understanding from above? Teach us all God to trust in you and be humble in all our knowledge and skills. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So welcome again, Dr. Joe Purida. So go ahead, Dr. Thank you Joe. So much, this is Dr. Jim Castro. And his information that he's sharing about ozone. I hope that you will listen to a little bit more of that. And it's an honor for me to talk to you guys. So good morning to all of you. It's uh, evening here and we'll get started because there's a lot of material and uh, I can make these slides available to Jim if uh, need be at the end of the talk. Uh, so don't worry about running in, taking all kinds of notes. So what I really want to talk about today is kind of what we call oxidative health systems. You know, ozone basically is really what controls oxidative health. And um, when we talk about oxidative health, we're talking about medical ozone therapy. We're talking about photomodulation and different supplements that can really help us in our battle against oxidative stress. It'll help promote longevity and a healthy life. And, you know, oxidative stress is what can many times lead to failure in a regenerative medicine procedure, be it PRP, be it uh, stem cells from fat, bone marrow, or a combination of these things. So basically what we want to talk about is, again, we're going to talk about something called EBO2, which is extracorporeal blood oxygenation and ozone therapy. And we're going to talk in great detail about that. We're going to talk about photomodulation. Uh, some of you may be familiar with that. I, uh, Jim and uh, Jojo have been seeing that for many years when I have my PRP, bone marrow, fat, et cetera. We'll put it in, a, in what we call an Addy light. We have these lights available now. Uh, we also have various supplements that are both photosensitive and antioxidant. And then we have other therapies such as V-cells and things like that. Now, the goal of ozone therapy is to reduce inflammation, okay? This is a term that was actually brought up, I believe, Life Magazine a few years ago. And as we age, inflammation goes up, up, and up. And, and that's really one of the signs of aging, increased inflammation. And again, inflammation can make or break success in your procedures. Now, ozone is a very good method in achieving the goal of reducing inflammation or inflammation. Again, aging, inflammation, they go hand in hand. So if we look at this balance board here, we can see the little stick figure here. He's on the balance and we have on one side, we have antioxidants and the other side, oxidative stress, which keeps rising as we age. Age-related diseases increase oxidative stress, inflammation, et cetera. So basically uh, what we're doing is we are uh, with health and everything. Uh, we have antioxidants. We have different types of antioxidants and things like that. So let's move on. So let's look and see what happens at birth. You know, we don't have to worry too much about oxidative stress, but as we age, it becomes very important. And you can see some of the things that happen. proteins, organelle dysfunction, especially your mitochondria. That's really where the damage goes in the mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cells. When your mitochondria are not working well, guess what? You're, you're finished. You're, you're, you're out of the picture, so to speak, because you're not going to survive. And, you know, other things about uh, the uh, oxidative stress, cancer, osteoporosis, dementia, neurodegenerative diseases, and it goes on and on and on. So basically, how is ozone made? Well, sometimes I know in the Philippines, there's a lot of thunderstorms like there is here in Florida. And you'll go out after a thunderstorm sometimes and you'll smell that, that pungent odor. 
And what's happened there is the electricity from the lightning has bonded oxygen together and it's made a triple oxygen. So you start here with regular uh, dipole oxygen and it becomes triple oxygen. And that's what ozone is. And then lo and behold, ozone basically has that very active molecule that it gives up. And that's how we make ozone. So we can see it here where we have the duplicate oxygen and then it becomes triple oxygen and then it goes ahead and it gives a single atomic oxygen. And that's what does all the magic that ozone can do. So one thing you, mean, you must realize, and this is something that's important for a lot of aspects of medicine. Ozone is what we call a pro-drug, meaning that it's a drug that's inactive before it's metabolized in the body. Now, there's certain drugs you'll take for certain pharmaceutical agents. They're active right away. You take them and they're active. Whereas other pharmacologic agents have to be activated by the body. And ozone is one of those um, entities. Okay. So basically, we know a couple of things about ozone. It's 10 times more hydrosoluble than oxygen is, especially in, let's say, the uh, aqueous environment of the plasma. And there's a therapeutic window when you use ozone. Basically, you want to have these concentrations between 80, 10 and 80 uh, micrograms per milliliter, okay? Now, again, ozone acts as a pro-drug. Pro now, what it really does is it makes two messengers, and I'm going to get into this in, in just a bit, in a few minutes in detail. It makes hydrogen peroxide, believe it or not, and it can make something called a lipid oxidation product. So that's another aspect of it. Now, like any drug, Ozone is dose dependent. What do I mean by that? Well, I'm gonna give you a good example. Think of glucose. If your glucose level is too high, that's obviously a big problem. You have that in diabetics where they could get a diabetic coma from too high of glucose. Or if it's too low, hypoglycemic, same thing, hypoglycemic coma, okay? Same thing with oxygen. You know, we're used to oxygen at 21% concentration. We can survive with that for many, many years. But if you breathe pure oxygen, it's deadly after just a few days. So like anything else, ozone specific concentration that can do its magic. Too high, it's obviously gonna be detrimental. Too low, it's not. Now, one thing I have to tell you about ozone when you're using it, we'll use it from medical oxygen. And the higher the concentration of oxygen, the lower the ozone amount is. So it's kind of inverse. So when you wanna have a, a high amount of ozone, you put that uh, regulator down to a much lower level of oxygen, okay? So here we see some of the, um, the things that ozone stimulates in a cell. Uh, high doses can go in there into the cell and it basically does a lot of what we call gene transcription. It's almost like a transcription agent. So what is a transcription agent? It affects the DNA in the cell. It turns on certain genes. That's what a transcription agent does. It can also turn off certain genes. Uh, it's really good for viruses. There's been a lot of um, work with ozone and dealing with the COVID-19 virus. Uh, the Italians have had very good results using ozone to really kill the virus because what it does is it basically takes away the lipid envelope of the virus. It exposes its DNA and RNA and basically the virus just goes away. Now, there's what I call the pillars of medical ozone therapy. And what are these pillars? Well, we basically can we can optimize oxygen utilization. Um, we can stimulate something called the NRF2 and the NQO1 pathways. These may seem esoteric to you, but they're not. These are extremely important pathways in regenerative medicine. I can't stress to you how important it is. I'm just gonna write a, a blog that I'm gonna publish in the next couple of days on that. Uh, what else does ozone do? Well, we have the ozone messengers that I mentioned. Well, in this EBO2 technique, we actually remove debris from the blood. We have stem cell stimulation. And how does that work? Well, it stimulates metallic uh, proteins, matrix metalloproteases, basically, uh, in the bone marrow. And that can cause a significant release of stem cells from the bone marrow. And it also deals with cytokine release and immune stimulation. So now we start seeing, hey, wait a minute, there's a lot of things that ozone does that's very pertinent to regenerative medicine. So. Let's talk about basically ozone and how it affects ATP production. Um, you know, what you must realize is that ozone can accelerate glycolysis. Now glycolysis, you break down glucose into pyruvate and you get very valuable hydrogen ions. These hydrogen ions are used to make ATP. So the bottom line is ozone can produce ATP. All cells need ATP. 
Now, stem cells in particular, when you have a cell that's fairly quiescent, it can make um, its energy through glycolysis. But when a stem cell begins to differentiate, it has much higher demands of ATP, and therefore it has to switch over to oxidative phosphorylation. So that's why ATP is so important, because it can allow the stem cells to differentiate where they might not otherwise, okay? And we can see here, again, it's dealing with the Krebs cycle. We don't have to get into that great detail, but you have NADA plus and you have NADH plus a hydrogen atom. And that's what helps produce the ATP. Hey, Dr. Gundry, are potatoes bad for you? Now, here's one of my favorites. And if we were to cut this in half, it would be dark blue, almost purple on the inside. Let's go shopping for potatoes. You know that a potato, like an Idaho baker... Or... Now, one thing you have to realize, and, and I suggest you guys learn more about NE and ADH because this is really where the field of regenerative medicine is moving. NAD is extremely important, and the ratio is very important, and that ratio should be about 700 to 1. And guess what? Ozone medically in the blood will actually help uh, create that ratio, okay? Now, oxidative stress. Ozone does cause some oxidative stress. Now, oxidative stress in, uh, activates something called the NF-kappa-beta pathway, okay? Now, this is basically a pathway of inflammation. This is how many cancers work. This is how many degenerative diseases, especially neurologic degenerative diseases work. And that's when you have severe oxidative stress. Luckily, ozone does not cause severe oxidative stress. It causes some moderate oxidative stress. You know, some oxidative stress is very necessary in the body. And what does this oxidative stress do? It stimulates a pathway called the NRF2 pathway. And, and again, you see it written out there. And what this is, is this is kind of like a thermostat of inflammation. If this pathway is stimulated, it helps reduce inflammation dramatically by secreting certain enzymes. These are called antioxidant response elements. That's a, a name you should probably know down the road. And these are basically things like uh, SOD, uh, catalase, uh, glutathione, things like that. So basically the moderate oxidative stress that ozone therapy produces activates this pathway, the NRF2 pathway, extremely important because if NRF2 is, is working properly, you're gonna have a very healthy patient. If it's working improperly, you're gonna have a very sick patient, okay? Many cancers are because the NRF2 basically failed us, okay? And again, we can see here, moderate oxidative stress, oh, I'm sorry, let me go, we'll get uh, the NRF2 pathway right here. Now this pathway is, the NRF2 I should say, is found in the cytoplasm of the cell. And it's kind of locked in position. It's kind of like in a jail cell, but another enzyme called KEP1, and you can see that here, okay? Now, with the proper singling, and NRF2 is basically like a singling molecule, this KEP1 releases its bond to the NRF2, and what that NRF2 does is it enters the nucleus, okay? And when it enters the nucleus, it starts interacting with the DNA and it starts certain, turning on certain genes. Again, it's a, like a transcription agent. And what do we get? We get basically a, many of the different antioxidant enzymes. Whereas if you have a severe oxidative stress, you get NF-kappa-beta, and you get the opposite. You'll get inducible nitric oxide synthase. That's great if you're gonna fight a, a viral infection or a bacterial infection, but it does cause collateral damage too. You know, that's one of the problems we're seeing with COVID-19. We're getting too much of a, of a inflammatory response, and that's what's causing the death of many of these people, okay? So again, NRF2 is the master regulator of antioxidant detoxification and cell defense uh, gene expression. 600 genes are involved in that. Kappa-beta is pretty much the opposite, okay? Now, NQ01 pathway is basically a pathway that helps the NAD, NADH ratio. Now, here we are again, we can see kind of, and this is why I'm trying to stress this on a couple of different slides. So we have it here on this slide. Let me get my arrow if I can here. NRF2 resides in the cytoplasm. Remember, it's kind of held in jail by that KEP1. And then all of a sudden, a single goes, and lo and behold, we start getting oxidative stress, reducing, inflammation is reducing. And NRF2 has a very profound effect on the mitochondria. Anything that you're basically doing 
that has a beneficial effect on mitochondria is going to be extremely important in all your regenerative medicine procedures because success or failure typically is going to be because of what you do to the mitochondria. And this is basically a great slide. And again, I'm going to make these slides available to you guys. Only thing I ask of you, uh, you know, please don't make a whole talk on your own. I mean, try and learn from these. And if you want to use the occasional slide, that's fine with me. And this gives you an idea of some of the things that the NRF2 pathway does with the oxidative stress. And here, again, it helps with homeostasis. Again, mitochondrial membrane uh, and ATP synthesis, uh, mitochondrial fatty acid oxidation. Again, anything influencing the mitochondrial uh, uh, area in a positive way is extremely important, okay? Now, oxidative stress, it also stimulates something called the P53 gene, okay? P53 is basically called a tumor suppressor gene. And what that does is it literally helps prevent tumors in the body. Uh, most of our cancers, well, I shouldn't say most, but many of the cancers are when you have a mutation of this P53 gene. Now, interestingly enough, to tell you how the P53 gene works, um, elephants, one of the largest mammals known to man, have you know quadrillions of cells. But elephants almost never get a cancer. Why? Because they have multiple copies of the P53 gene. So that's something to keep in mind. And this is what the P53 does. It analyzes a cell and it says, you know, your DNA is damaged too much like we would see down in the bottom here. And lo and behold, it says, you're gonna stop the dividing and I'm gonna make you go on to aptosis and die. Or it says, hey, you know, your DNA is damaged, but I think I can fix you. And it goes ahead and fixes that cell. The cell continues to divide and everybody's happy. So that's why P53 is important. Ozone will help stimulate the P53 gene correct it if it's kind of malfunctioning, as will some phototherapy, okay? And again, we can see here the two pathways of ozone right there. You can either be anti-inflammatory or pro-inflammatory. Sometimes pro-inflammatory is important when you're dealing with a COVID-19, let's say, or a bacterial infection, but you don't want it to get out of hand. That's where we get into trouble. All right, so basically, how does it increase stem cell production? Well, Again, the matrix metalloproteases, and particularly this one called matrix metalloprotease 9. This is found in the bone marrow. And basically what the ozone does, is it helps basically break this bond. Think of this again as keeping the stem cells in jail. And all of a sudden the, the jail is open and the stem cells are free to leave the bone marrow, as we can see here, and they go into the circulation. So this will increase bone marrow stem cell release, as will nitric oxide and other things like that. That's actually the basis of hyperbaric oxygen. Hyperbaric oxygen produces nitric oxide, which affects these bone marrow and these uh, metalloproteases, and they release stem cells to the circulation. That's why people, for instance, a diabetic who has a wound that won't heal, it's because he's now getting increased stem cells to go to the area. Remember, cells, not doctors, heal the patient. Okay? That's one of my pet little sayings. Again, just another picture that shows the same thing. All right, now, what are ozone messengers? This is what really makes ozone work. So ozone messengers are basically, this is the pro-drug. The body kind of helps metabolize these things. And one of the things that ozone makes in the circulation now, again, I'm not talking about breathing it in, but I'm talking about directly intravenous. Uh, we'll find that ozone can make hydrogen peroxide. And now the, the hydrogen peroxide does not last very long at all. It's very fleeting. It's a, almost like a singly molecule, but it can have a profound effect on the leukocytes, on erythrocytes, platelets, etc. It's a, an intracellular singly molecule. You know, there's a lot of singly molecules in the body. There's nitric oxide, there's carbon monoxide, and there's H2O2, very important singling uh, molecules. And we can see here, for instance, we have H2O2, it affects the erythrocytes, leukocytes, platelets, improved O2 delivery, immune activation, and other things. And then we have what we call the LOPs, lipid oxidation products. Now, though, unlike hydrogen peroxide, which is very short-lived, these things can live for weeks, and they will affect the bone marrow, releasing stem cells, the endothelial tissue, and other organs. So the effects of ozone can be right away, and it can be basically weeks to, uh, after the treatment is done, okay? And basically they trigger the late effects and they upregulate various anti-inflammatory enzymes, 
such as, like I say, SOD, glutathione, some of you are probably familiar with that, and they can do neuroimmune modulation. Um, parenchymal cells also can be affected by these lipid oxidation products. So it can affect the endocrine glands, the liver, the kidneys, bone marrow. So very, very interesting. It can go ahead and produce short-term and long-term effects. Also, and we're gonna get into this very shortly, it can induce something called heat shock proteins, okay? But again, here we are here. Ozone produces nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is extremely important. All of my patients in regenerative medicine are put on a nitric oxide donor. I feel the best one out there is something called Neo40. It's made by a company uh, called Human. Uh, this product was actually developed by the University of Texas. Then we have carbon monoxide. Remember now, dose deficient, or excuse me, dose dependent, I should say. Carbon monoxide obviously in higher doses is very deadly, but in a very small dose, it's a single molecule. And you can see some of the things that it does there. Again, same thing, it can affect platelets, it can affect the cells, etc. Now, heat shock proteins. You know, many years ago we were saying, you know, it's interesting that people when they go take a sauna, they seem to be healthier. Or people that go into extreme cold seem to be healthier. What was the reason for that? Well, the reason for that is what it did is it helped the body produce something called heat shock proteins. Now, ozone can help produce these heat shock proteins as can also ultraviolet light. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about these. So what heat shock proteins really do is they make the protein fold. Now, remember, protein can be very long in its, uh, its character, so to speak. And it has to be folded into certain methods into the cell. Now, if it's folded properly, there's no problem. But if a protein is folded improperly, it leads to neurodegenerative diseases, cancer, diabetes, a whole host of bad things. So here you see in this little cartoon, we have the heat shock proteins, and what they do is they go ahead and resuscitate some of these proteins, repair them, and make sure that they're going ahead and folding properly. It's all about the folding of the protein and how it fits into the cell. And again, so the primary role of the heat shock proteins is it kind of is a chaperone. It keeps an eye on the protein and kind of follows it like a parent, making sure that it's gonna do the right thing at the right time. Um, and when a cell is damaged, it, it basically can help generate uh, more proteins and help repair that cell. And again, you can see it right here in this little cartoon. The heat shock proteins are like parents. They basically can uh, go in there and make sure that the protein is going to fold properly. So that's the real key for ozone. Also, it makes the heat shock proteins because that's another probable area of failure when we don't have the proteins folding properly. Okay. Now, what is basically the actual EBO2? Again, EBO2, extracorporeal blood oxygenation and ozone. So basically what we're doing is we're taking the entire circulatory system and running it through a dialysis filter. We're filtering out various fats, cholesterol, heavy metals, and dead cells. And we're then hitting that after that's been purified, we're hitting it with ozone gas and it's then going back through a continuous loop into the patient. So it leaves one arm essentially through an IV and it goes back the other arm. Now, in addition to what we're doing with the filtration, we're also hitting that blood with both an ultraviolet A light and a red light. And I'll get into that shortly. Now there's another system that some people who have been familiar with um, ozone have been using in the past. It's called autohemotherapy. And this is where you would go ahead and take about 200 cc's of blood from the patient. You then put it in an IV bag with some heparin. Then you squirt ozone gas in there and you shake it up and you kind of mix the ozone gas with it. Then you pull it back out Then you kind of inject it back into the vein. And you may do that 10 times. So you do about 2000 cc's, but you're not doing any filtration of that or anything like that. Basically, you're giving it some ozone gas. But you know, when you start doing that, you start shaking that blood up and everything, you're gonna get a lot of hemolysis. So not, it's, it was the old technique. It was the, it was the only technique for many years, but now it's kind of like archaic as far as I'm concerned, okay? So that's basically what I'm trying to show you here in this slide. Redfin agents sell twice as many homes as other agents. So they know how to sell your home for more. a peristaltic pump. So basically this is a line right here coming from the patient. And what this pump does, it actually pulls the blood from the vein. You want to just, you have to have some kind of force in this. So we're pulling that from the vein and you're going to see it's going to 
next slide. Aha, now we can see our ozone, excuse me, our dialysis filter. This is a true dialysis filter. So the blood starts going up, going up, going up, going up, going up. Then it hits with ozone gas here, and then it goes this way, and then it goes back to the patient eventually. Okay? So now you can see the same So this is basically coming from the patient right here. It's going into the dialysis filter, and it's traveling upwards in the dialysis filter, and then hitting, getting hit with ozone gas after it's purified, and going this way, and then going back down. Now, notice the color. This is basically venous blood here, and if you look at this, it looks like arterial blood. So we've dramatically increased the oxygen content of that blood, in addition to some other things. So... Uh, what we're doing is removing uh, various waste products from the blood, inorganic substances, petroleum byproducts, fat microparticles. We'll see, actually see some globules of some plaque and fat and things like that. And basically, uh, we're removing dead microbes, disease cells, detoxifying things. So it really is an important thing. Now, another thing that we end up taking out with our filtration system is something called beta-2 microglobulin, okay? very sneaky little compound and basically it's associated with many cancers and inflammatory diseases and there's a relationship between that and the immune system and pretty much the more you have of that the more potential you have of developing problems now um, it basically is a indicative of pro-inflammatory cytokines it's associated with cardiovascular disease diabetes etc and again it seems to have some effect on the um, immune system with the T cells, lymphocytes, etc. Now, when we get this, uh, it goes in a separate container. And this is what we get from some patients. This is all foam from a patient. This has been, the, you know, over about maybe an hour or so that they have this. Um, and it's very interesting. And it, it basically is a marker of inflammation in certain diseases. And interesting, when we remove that, the next time we do an EBO2, sometimes on those patients, there's very little of it. So the serum concentrations are a risk for all disease, all death. So it's an important thing to take care of. And again, we have pro-inflammatory cytokines, IL-1, TNF, alpha, and uh, IL-6. And we can help remove some of those inflammatory cytokines in that beta-2 macroglobulin uh, canister. Uh, so you can see here, basically, again, it's getting a little technical here maybe more than we need to worry about, but it is an important thing because it has critical immune modulation functions. Uh, and, and, and I'll say that much about it. So also beta-2 macroglobulin is associated with advanced glycation end products. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, when you eat certain foods, fried foods and things like that, you'll get advanced glycation end products, which are kind of bad because they affect our immune system adversely. They uh, really make you gain adipose tissue, affect the GI system, the liver, the brain, pancreas. So a lot of bad things that are associated with it, and we, we're removing those. So basically, uh, it's an important thing to remove, and we're happy that we can do that. Now, here's another thing now. We have a safety chamber here, because some people would say, well, you're using ozone gas, and you're putting it into an intravenous line. Um, how are you going to make sure you don't get an embolism? Well, this is the safety chamber right here. You just keep an eye on this. As long as this chamber is filled with blood here, there's no chance of an embolism. We've not had any knock on wood, any problem whatsoever with that. Okay. Now, another thing we're using is photomodulation. You know, I, I basically had an epiphany one day. I said, you know, I have one big line of blood coming from the patient, another one going back to the patient. How about we actually use photomodulation on that blood so we can basically photomodulate the entire circulatory system. And that's what we've come up with. So we use a red light and we use a UVA light. Now, you know, what do we get with the red light? Well, mitochondria are very sensitive to light. When red light hits mitochondria, it helps produce ATP, nitric oxide, and things like that. So very important aspect of that. And basically, uh, we can see it aids in the production of ATP and nitric oxide release. Now, here's a a red light that we're using so this is a this is a line right here that's going back to the patient so the blood would be flowing like this and this is our red led light now we have this chamber opened right now but typically it would be closed and these are all mirrors here so you're basically bathing that entire blood supply with the led uh, red light and then ultraviolet a light is what we like because we think that can have some beneficial effects also 
Uh, it can also help increase uh, certain circulating antibodies. It is a bit of a, stress, a stressor of the cell. It helps produce heat shock proteins. Again, the unfolding of proteins, very important. And you can see here, now this is interesting. If you were to look at this with your naked eye, it would not seem this deeply blue. But my iPhone camera takes a more true picture of it, and you can see how blue it is. And this is what we're doing. This, this line typically comes from the patient first, then it goes into the apparatus. And we can see here also that blue light can also increase the production of exosomes, which is a very interesting aspect of it. So the other, you know, we're getting towards to the end now. So can we use supplements to increase the efficiency? Absolutely. And these are some of the things that can help us increase it. This is terstopin. Uh, you may have heard of resveratrol. This is a form of, sort of like a form of resveratrol that's much more bioavailable. You have true broccoli, which is basically a broccoli compound. Uh, very, very important. Turmeric, called Ultra Cure. Green tea, resveratrol. Fumaric acid, very interesting compound. RS, FDA in the United States, and this is over the counter fumaric acid, but the FDA just approved a compound, mainly fumaric acid, for the treatment of uh, MS. So keep that in mind. Persitin, uh, some soy isoflavins, NAD, again, so important, and Neo40. And this is a, a supplement that I think works very well to reduce inflammation, NRF2. Probably something that you might want to consider giving to most of your stem cell patients. It's from a very reputable company in the United States called Thorn Research. It's a very good uh, product. So basically, uh, if we reduce NRF2, uh, or I should say increase it, we basically get mitochondrial metabolism better, we restore our redox balance, and we suppress cytokine production. Um, and are there any side effects with our uh, our treatment? Well, once in a while, the patient kind of gets a feeling of chest, chest tightness, and that's because they're basically getting NAD production. And what we do is we turn down the ozone for a bit, and that immediately goes away, and it usually doesn't come back then. And then we also sometimes use our cytokine patches. Sometimes after you, this is very good, by the way, for autoimmune diseases and things like that, but sometimes the patient kind of feels washed out. So we use something called an AI patch, which is uh, basically a patch. Uh, we have it through our FDA here, and it's a patch that basically has interleukin-10, interleukin-1 antagonist. We put it over the carotid arteries, and the symptoms pretty much disappear. Uh, what we're going to look at in the future is... Okay, this was... You don't see that kind of ozone at a lot of places. I don't even know where you go to this guy to find where he's doing it completely different than most people who do ozone. Um, and there is a topical ozone, and there's a rectal, and then you just heard about nasal. Um, goodness me. So we're going to just end it with this little thing because people know no one talks about this stuff. And I think it's um, cool. don't take anything in this video's medical advice. I wouldn't. So here I want to talk about the risks and complications of erectile ozone insufflations. Now for those who are not familiar with this term, erectile ozone insufflations are exactly what they describe what they are. So basically ozone gas is inserted rectally into the colon. Uh, now, ozone therapy dates back to 1870 and rectal insufflations are a pretty established part of ozone treatments. Uh, so, for example, it seems that especially in Cuba and in Italy, rectal insufflations are quite popular and they're being used by medical doctors and also applied in uh, professional medical settings like in hospitals. There are reports that there are quite some uh, success rates with treating diabetes, auto autoimmune conditions, or using ozone in conjunction with chemotherapy or radiation. Especially uh, Dr. Ressa Margherita Luongo in Italy uh, she has experience in uh, combining um, rectal insufflations with uh, chemo and radiation and she says that um, rectal insufflations are able to mitigate the negative side effects of chemo and um, they can also 
enhance the effects of the conventional cancer treatments. Uh, so yeah, rectal insufflations are um, yeah quite popular. They're used very often. Many doctors and practitioners actually instruct their patients how to perform rectal insufflations at home because they're deemed as being pretty safe. Uh, still, me personally, I'm not a big fan of rectal insufflations and I'm gonna explain why. So uh, one of the reasons is uh, I actually alluded to it in my latest article about oxalates and ozone. Uh, so one of the reasons is that we simply don't know the effects of rectal ozone insufflations on the gut biome. And uh, there is reason to believe that one has to be very cautious when it comes to the good bacteria that we have. So for example, uh, a recent study found out that people who used to take antibiotics, they're at a higher risk of developing kidney stones later in life. And this is most likely because the antibiotics killed off some of the oxalate-degrading bacteria. And uh, we don't know whether it's also true for rectal insufflations or not. What we do know is that ozone can essentially kill any bacteria, any virus, fungus, any bug. It can essentially, essentially kill any life form if the ozone concentration is high enough or if the exposure to the ozone is long enough. And uh, so there's no reason to believe that it would not do the same to colon bacteria. And uh, it might be challenging or maybe even impossible to repopulate the gut as it was before. And the ramifications of that are simply still unknown as far as I know. So this is something that I personally prefer to be very, very cautious about. Now, another risk that is, in my opinion, extremely rare, and there have to be uh, special circumstances present for that to occur, is a colon rupture. So in the past, I believe, 12 years, I think... I've I bet that's very, 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 very rare. But I thought, um, she's talking about the gut, microbial effect of it all and I think you know if it was done on a regular type of basis she is right that you're going to disrupt a the gut flora um, but if you are also on probiotics and you're working with a naturopath physician or a functional medicine physician and you're doing these then um, then I think that uh, it's going to be beneficial I know that bulletproof radio and Dave, whatever it is, has talked about um, rectal ozone and it changing his life with uh, probably a toxic mold exposure and then enhancing his immune system in dealing with that. I mean, I think that there are multiple things we're killing with um, oxidative stress and as you age, as I am aging, and as we are dealing with uh, the more toxins... <laughs> in the, our environment and being exposed to, we need to be modulating and doing things for our body to enhance those things. I mean, food hasn't been poorly um, that you, you even buy organic in the grocery store and not getting it as well as going to a farmer's market or growing it your, yourself. It's just not full of the nutrients that it needs. Um, to enhance uh, so anyways I just thought this was some like really good food for thought when it comes to the only thought gosh this is kind of long 48 minutes I usually don't like going way long with these but I thought gosh this is something that um, I want my husband to do the naturopath he sees knows nothing about it but doesn't mean that she doesn't know anything about it doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad thing it's just that that particular person he's working with isn't so we reached out to another one could it enhance could it could it um benefit in small doses of uh, getting some ozone therapies um or you know infrared she is into infrared into stimulating your body um to dealing with oxidative stress to decreasing the inflammation to overall healing um i mean the same thing goes for i believe doing a um therapeutic an essential oil massage with certain particular essential oils on a regular basis to enhancing your overall oxidative stress within your body. Um, leading up to that, I think I'll put it in another episode and the powers of frankincense. Um, 
and uh, the immense studied oil out there. And I mean, if you're just gonna do ozone, that's great. And you're gonna do all these other FDA drugs, great. He, I mean, and he alluded to turmeric and all these other things and, and not even getting to the nutrients when it comes to healing and seeing a huge benefit. And then you can go talk to people who've actually had ozone done and see what, you know, what do they say about it? So I thought, just thought, you know, I mean, the injection part is really cool when it comes to people with chronic pain and back pain and things like that. And then it's not covered by most insurances. Um, I, um, try trying trying to tell my parents you know let's do that before cortisol and cortisol you're going to get a systemic effect with cortisol and causing um all those effects you have with uh, that particular drug and that particular treatment when you're dealing with a chronic pain you know um situation but all i can do is encourage and um go do your own research and i hope this was um, beneficial for you